What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is TWBLC. I'm your co-host, Curtis Quinn, down in Mariester, Florida, along with my co-host, Drew Luster, up in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Drew, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking, and thank you for that spectacular introduction. Uh, it's getting nicer out. Things are clearing up here. We're uh, starting to move into, I don't know, phase one, phase two, whatever the hell it is. But, you know, things are things are moving. Things are shaking. So, uh, you know, staying positive here. Yep. Just passed by Memorial Day weekend, one of the big starts to stum- uh, summer. As for down here, it was, it was popping uh, down in this touristy section of town. A lot of Was traffic, it? a lot of people at the beach are out on the boat. So who knows where we'll end up after that? We'll see. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, everybody has an opinion. I got to say one thing that I saw on Instagram. All, you know, myself included, myself included, everybody's getting sick of COVID. Everybody's getting sick of, you know, quarantining. You know who isn't getting sick of anything? The, the COVID-19 itself. Yeah. I'll, just say, I'll just leave it at that. So keep an eye out, folks. Patience is a virtue. And patience is a virtue. I say it probably, you know, a couple times a week. It's a great great saying. So be careful out there, folks. All right. Let's dive into our love of the week, Drew. This is a love week rather than the hate week that we did last week. We We love a love week. Uh, So let's dive right into your love of the week. My love of the week is something unique. Um, Something, I don't know if, I don't know how really common it is, but it's, um, rearranging your apps on your phone. It might be, you know, a, the deletion of a few apps, filing some away into folders, maybe slapping on a new wallpaper while you're at it. It was a very nice, refreshing change for me, and it did a world of difference. Um, I was just bored in my living room one night and just started, you know, I can sometimes be a bit of a stickler and I like things a certain way. So it it took a lot to change it, but I love it now. I'm nice and organized. I got things filed away. More of a simplistic look, I'll say. So if you haven't done it and uh, you know you want to feel like you have a new phone, slap a wallpaper on, file away some apps, and have at it. That's my love of the week. I think to go along with that, that's with pretty much anything you organize. You feel you feel a little better afterwards. You know where no it is. You know where everything's going. Like I had the some Mac storage problems on my laptop from recording sessions. And I did a, a real deep dive into cleaning this puppy out. And I yeah. went from like two gigabytes of storage to 60 in a day. And oh, man, baby. oh man, the relief that, that I felt after that. Sweet knowing, relief. Hallelujah. Knowing that I had plenty of storage for upcoming episodes, not only on TWBLC, but beneath the bar was nice. And then just like the age old cleaning your room once a year, but it feels oh, yeah. great afterwards and maybe yeah. sl- uh, slap a fresh coat of paint on it. Who knows? And you got a whole new room. Not so much the paint, but you know what it is for me? I, I'm sure I'm going to get everybody with this one after a long day, right? Let's say you change, you got a fresh, some fresh sheets on the bed. Yep. You shower, you lay down with a clean body in some nice, clean, fresh sheets. If you like, you close your eyes, you feel like you're going to heaven. Like I swear to God, there's nothing more, you know, 
just calming to me and more zen than that. Yeah, well, this will lead me right into my love of the week, and it's going to okay. be day naps. Oh, I had... God, I could not disagree more, but go ahead. Okay, so I my sleep schedule is a little screwed up. I We're working like weekly type of deal at work and then doing some remote work at home. So we had real early mornings, and then when you're home for a couple of weeks working from home, you, you tend to sleep in, get a little lazy, as some would say. The alarm yeah. clock rings, and you just you just press stop on that <laughs> bad boy. But, yeah. So the end of the long week uh, of early mornings ends, and I would usually get a, a nap or two in in the afternoon. Well, not two. I'd only get one nap in, but it tended to be a, a two- to four-hour experience, which some would call it a short sleep almost. And the feeling that I love, which is a little weird, is the feeling when you wake up from one of these and you feel like it's a completely new day. Like you're confused. If you ever seen the meme of the lady, the lady with the like ruffled hair and everything, it's it's like you realizing you missed the school bus or you're late to the school bus, but you're 38 and laying in bed. (laughs) I love that feeling when I wake up from a nap. so for me, it's actually the complete opposite. Like I tried to like, you know, be one of those people in college. Like, you know, you get back from a class at like noon, you eat lunch and then you just knock out. I can't do it. Like once I'm up for the day, I'm up. Like I can't get back into that stage of like falling asleep. And for me, there's nothing worse than like, like a great example is you texted our group. Like what was it last week? It was like, it might've been 8 PM on like a, thursday yeah and you say oh my god i just woke up (laughs) and i'm like it's pitch it's about to be pitch blackout it's 8 30 and you're and like you said you act like it's a new day that's my nightmare like i want to be able to go to bed between like 11 30 and 12 comfortably and i like my least favorite thing is waking up and thinking that it's a new day like i like to just live every day you know normally like it's that day what you love is what I hate. Like, I don't think we could be on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And I also just can't fall asleep, really, period. Like, If I'm not even tired, purposely. I'm not taking a day nap. But it's it's when I'm waking up at 4 a.m. for a week straight and I've gotten little to no sleep because my schedule was all screwed up prior to that anyways. Yeah. And at that point, I need a nap. And you, you just roast a four-hour nap from, like, 4 to 8 p.m. and you just feel fresh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I accept that. I, I accept your opinion. I appreciate you sharing your opinion. But we'll have to agree to disagree on this one. But I'm sure okay. maybe we maybe we can slap up a poll or two and see what the folks think. Yeah, honorable mention for my love of the week, uh, finger yep. guns. And maybe throw a little holster in there, too. I just wanted to okay. throw that one out there because I don't think anybody doesn't like that. No, they're great. And, I like, I'm trying to think of when I usually give finger guns. I think it's, I think most of the time it's like if someone has a good idea, I'm like, yeah, like right on. Like I like that and I'm finger gunning them. Yeah. All righty, Drew. Let's hop into the, I believe, most watched golf event in TV history. Yeah. Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. What an event we got to see this Sunday, even with bad weather. They somehow made it work. There were a few technical difficulties at the start. But overall, uh, the consensus on it was awesome. Everybody loved it. They want more of it. And in this day and age right now, that's like the perfect setting in sport to do a, a TV golf event. 
Yeah, I mean, 100%. Obviously, you're the golf guy over myself. You know, regardless of weather, of the weather, I am I am obviously aware that it was horrible. I know the golf at the jump wasn't wasn't the best, all things considered, but um, incredibly entertaining just all the way through. I think the best part for me is just seeing four, you know, four of those greats just interact for four some odd hours and just shoot the shit like they're just down at, you know, freaking Cape Ann. You know, regardless of weather, they made the best of it. And like you said, I think um, I do want to also call out Justin Thomas. He was phenomenal. I think they they made the best of what they had. And I think it was I think it was awesome. And I'm 100 percent in on, you know, anything similar to that, you know, given what we're kind of going through right now. I think everybody's hungry for more. Yeah. And with the start, like we said, got off to a little slow start, some not great golf especially from the amateurs and Tom Brady in and of himself. Oh, but man. Then he, yeah. he turned his the awkwardness of, you're like, is this guy ever going to make a shot into probably the most viral golf clip we're going to get this year? Uh, oh, yeah. Until the majors, at least in the fall, of yeah. him dialing up a nice wedge with a little sauce on it, some would oh, say. Oh, my God. And having the, the microphone came out in his backswing, like he yeah. one hand finishes the thing. It was a whole. After, it was a whole debacle. Yeah, it looked. It was chaos. After Barkley, Barkley just chirped him for how bad he was playing. Yeah, and then he gave him the the suck on that one, Charles. Suck on that one, Charles. Yeah, oh, it so, was, beautiful timing is what that was. Yeah, and then he even got back at Barkley too. Uh, it was like I thought this was champions for charity, Chuck. Like, oh my and god. Just, Digging into that, the fact he, oh, has, yeah. he has no rings either. <laughs> but I think everybody saw that Peyton and Phil are like particularly made for this type of event with the amount of commentating and yeah. just zingers that they can throw at each other, no matter whether they're taking it or giving it back. Oh Tiger's, my God. Tiger, more of the, you know, controlled, focusing on the golf game, but he also gave us a little dive into his personality when he. I think it was the third. Was tee it on Tom's? The, no, he... it was the third tee on the long drive. Phil's talking up how he's going to activate the calves, and he was drinking his coffee. And I think Tiger just said, "You know, this is what I got to deal with every time I play golf with him." Yeah, I was, I was. So that one was goal, and then the one when he kind of under his breath, um, I think Tom sliced one into like the opposite fairway. Oh and, yeah, and on Tiger's seven. like, yeah, Tiger's like kind of. You know, Kelly's like, oh, you're good. Like, that's going to be on the fairway. Yeah. And then it's like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And then he goes on seven. And then it like, it just, it was, it was just perfect. And I think it, like you said, it just gives you an idea into like who these guys are like actually. And obviously watching Tom kind of fight through the first nine yeah, and kind of come around in in the way he was interacting with people. It was just absolute gold all the way around really. And, And, And Phil too, also an absolute content machine. All the way around. Whether you're like a fan of golf and you're like a golf savant or not, it was incredible to watch. Yeah, I got some, obviously got some text during the match. Everybody knows I'm a big Phil Mickelson yeah. fan, as well as Tom being on his side. I was I was pulling hard, but I got a, a few texts, one from Billy Foz, and we were just shooting the shit back and forth. Yeah. And I said, I just hope people take away from this, like, they're, they've been Tiger fans their whole life, the most of the general population, just because he's had the most success. He's on TV all the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I really hope people appreciate like the commentating and just the trash talk that Mickelson brings to the table, as well as general like love 
for the game slash competitiveness. Yeah. That was that was one of the takeaways Kenzie also said is how can anybody not like this guy when you can see he's just like haywired, eyes as wide as they can be, Literally. trying to do anything he can to bring this back and right the yeah. ship. Yeah. So. I mean, he's, he's a kid on Christmas morning. Like, he's fully just – he's ecstatic. He loves being out there. And the way he talks about golf, like when he – he was – I think he was – he might have been chipping or whatever yeah. it was. But just the way he describes things and talks – talking everybody mm -hmm. through it, it was outstanding by him. McAfee had a great tweet after that. He goes, I think Phil Mickelson just taught me golf after he hit that chip that yeah. <laughs> he talked through for about a minute and a half and put two – about six I was inches like, from the hole. My head was spinning. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. It's one thing to talk about it and explain it as thoroughly as he did, but then to literally follow up and do exactly what you were going to say in yep. that wind and rain. Phenomenal. And JT knowing to get that early is great as well because when yeah. they're coming down the stretch, you know, they're not going to, JT and Amanda Balionis aren't going to be on the tees as much interviewing and being like, hey, what's going exactly. on when they're trying to make a comeback? make it a yeah. match which they ended up doing which yeah was great for tv followers viewers because if it was three up say going into like 14 people are going to start turning off so to drop off yeah at, at the turn when they made that little push and they had a couple of putts to to get back yeah. was huge my only gripe i had one gripe okay with this i tweeted about it yeah i don't know what hole it was but it was a par three on the front side I oh believe. i know what you're gonna say and when, when they gave Peyton a stroke, it was no, they give both Peyton and Tom a stroke. So it's an even playing field. But what this does is for the pros, it makes it impossible for them to win the hole. If the amateurs have just an average hole, it's a 170 yeah. yard par three. You should not be getting a stroke on a par three in general, unless it's probably 220 plus for those guys, because they're yeah. still hitting irons in. And you can, all you have to do is chip in a putt for par birdie. So, yeah. What happens is Peyton puts it on the green, two putts for a par birdie. Mickelson hits it to about five feet and makes birdie, and they have the hole. It just seemed yeah, a little... I know what you mean. I don't know. It, it seemed like disingenuous to give him a stroke there. Yeah. yeah, just give it to him. They had a par five afterwards, I believe. Give it to the amateurs on the par five. That makes them having to put I would agree. four or five good shots together. Whereas I, the pros are most likely going to birdie a par five at least. So if the amateurs do make a birdie, then it's a birdie eagle to beat them, which you're like, okay, I can live with that. I just can't live with the the par birdie have on a par three. And I think at a lot of golf courses throughout yeah. America, when you're just doing your buddies, a little skins match or something like that, you're not going to see anybody giving you a stroke on a par three. No, I, I completely agree. I like, I'm totally on board with the gripe and I, I mean, you may know much better than I. I don't know what goes into how they're, you know, like how they're like what goes it. into the decision. Yeah, yeah so it's based off the handicap. Like, would it be that easy to just, you know, push it a hole? I have no idea. Yeah, so what happens there is they were getting three strokes aside, so the front nine was the only one they were getting strokes on because it was alternate shot after that. Yeah. And they picked the three hardest handicap holes on that front nine. Got it. Uh, so you, say you rank them one through nine, one through three – are going to be the ones you get a stroke off of. That just happened to be the third-ranked hardest hole on that front nine. I just think go to the fourth and put it on a par four or a par five where they have to make a good score. Par is good score on that hole. It's just, like, too easy to maintain the par birdie there. 
Understood. Totally get it. I think I'm on board, and I think a lot of people will agree with you. And if that happens, Drew, we're seeing OT after that 18th hole. Oh man, I don't want to. Th- I don't want to start thinking about that. That that start that throws another another ball into the ring or whatever. Yeah. whatever they had their opportunities say. though. They couldn't couldn't make a putt on a few key holes there in the middle of the back nine, or else they would have made their little charge and made 18 a little more interesting. But that's the match. We're yeah. now going to get to our guest interview of the week. We're getting back to our roots. We're going to get a little intramural story from our good friend, John Kukuru. Let's unpack the bag. This week, we're unpacking the bag with a very good friend of ours, a Gloucester High School graduate who then furthered his education at the University of Plymouth State. Um, solid Call of Duty player. Can gargoyle like there's absolutely no tomorrow. Whether he's, you know, climbing trees, doesn't matter what it is. The commissioner uh, of our fantasy football league. Also, another huge one, the commissioner of our of our amazing fantasy football league, John Kukuru. Pleasure to have you on. I think we've been we've been eyeing you for a little bit now, John. We know you you got a lot of stories, <laughs> intramural referee, but we want to start out by asking how you doing through this obvious uh, global pandemic. You're now living in Somerville, so uh, how are things? Uh, yeah, things are going well. Obviously, it's a little weird out here with everything going on. Um, I was here. I had a roommate who I've been staying with up until about two weeks ago. He actually just got activated for the National Guard. So he's out there testing people living in a hotel. And then I'm just kind of holding down the fort at our apartment. So it could be worse, I guess. Nice. I, I've never been up, like heard of the activation of the National Guard up in Mass till now. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, well, he's from uh, New Hampshire, so he's in the, the NH National Guard, okay. but, um, yeah, a little different. I don't know if Mass is activated or not. I don't know how that works either, what kind of leads up to an activation. The governor. That's a governor's oh, that- declaration. Wow. Yeah, that's... Wow. The, the National Guard is kind of like the governor's troops. Okay. Yeah. So not quite Learn something new every day. State Guard, seems like. Go Guard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, so I think... Mainly, John, we were attracted to having you on for several reasons, your storytelling ability, but also Plymouth State, quite the school. You were a intramural referee uh, offline, you know, on a couple different occasions. We've heard several different stories that were uh, unlike any other. I'll put it that way. Um, we've done a little bit of intramural storytelling ourselves in the past with some guests. So I think we can just kick it off with, you know, a story that I think we both already know, but we we want to share with the viewers and the listeners. So take it away, John. Absolutely. Um, so to, to bring this one back, uh, this is from my freshman year, so I believe it was 2015 at the time. Um, but Spring Fling at any other school, you know, same thing. It's a big concert day. You know, everybody's day drinking. Everybody's having fun. Just a very, you know, for most people, a positive day. Um, to you were legally 21 at that time too, right? Uh, no, I was 19, I think. So very young, still very much very drunk at the time. Okay, um, I was trying to, provide... to not incriminate you, but continue. <laughs> of course. Um, to provide some context, uh, Plymouth, we don't have any real kind of like fraternities or sororities. There may be one or two that are actually affiliated with the school. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few that are kind of unaffiliated that really are just a group of kids who kind of call themselves a fraternity or sorority. <laughs> Um, of course, one of them had an intramurals team that they used to play every single sport. So they would play everything, and in all of the sports, whether it's basketball, handball, floorball, I mean, um, thrumball, 
whatever it is, these kids were dicks. Wow. Basketball especially, you know, like they come in, they make what they lack in kind of athletic ability. They make up for in, you know, yelling at people and extremely aggressive defense. So we were all very familiar with these kids. Um, spring fling comes around. For spring fling, we used to do a wiffle ball tournament the day of the concert every year. Um, so we see these kids have a team, you know, obviously we're kind of dreading like refereeing their games. We're hoping whatever we'll just, hopefully they're out within the first is, couple of Is that one now. circled on like the referee schedule? Yeah. You're just hoping you're not on? <laughs> I swear so to I, God, I don't get that I'm, game. To sign up for that, there was just a sheet. It was either the morning shift or the afternoon shift. I was one of the first people to get it. So I was like, oh, I don't want to wake up uh, early the day of spring fling. I'll get to take the afternoon shift. Yeah. Totally the wrong move. I was <laughs> repping like the championship games at that point, all the day drinks have oh, started and everything. God. You don't want to be there basically at that point. <laughs> but um, that was what we were thinking. We we're like, hey, hopefully, you know, they're out early. Like we don't have to deal with them more than, you know, one or two games. Um, but of course, you know, as the day goes on, um, day drinks start up. Teams just kind of stop showing up to their wiffle ball games. So we ended up having a bunch of forfeits. I'm sitting around uh, oh. it's in the championship game and that fraternity quote-unquote, is in the championship against a team of likable kids. Just normal, you know, they're not assholes. They're not screaming at people over, you know, minor ticky-tacky calls. Just a run-of-the-mill college student. Now, did this fake frat have a fake frat name as well? Uh, I don't remember what it was called. It might have been Beta, which was kind of funny in hindsight. Yeah, um, yeah, they had a a team name, too. They were always the Bulldogs and everything, where everybody else tried to make... Or tries to make jokes out of their names. They just went traditional. Yeah, that's that's. Cool. I know. <laughs> Ultimate hardo move. Lack of creativity, I guess. Yeah, that that's exactly what it is. But yeah, so we get to the championship game. It's Bulldogs versus this other team. I hate these kids. They're giving me shit already over balls and strikes. You know, Ugh. it's ball. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> sure enough, uh, later on in the game, there comes a very close call. You know, um, player on first is a guy on second. I don't know, it might not have been anybody on first, but the guy was on second. He ran, he came back, came off the bag for a second. Guy holding the ball. Um, I thought he was out. I called him out. And then he was like, no, 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 I'm not out. As a ref, first thing they say is, you stand your ground. You don't just change your mind when somebody disagrees with you. Yeah. So I stood my ground. Um, yeah. He obviously kept fighting. Um, the Brutal. supervisor, so one of my kind of the upper level, I guess, official, um, had my back too, and then... It took the entire game to stop and just, like, talk through every single step that had happened from, like, pitch to, to whatever the end of the play was. We figured out I was in the wrong. Kid gave me some snarky comment. Whatever. Like, I don't really care how it ends. I have no stake in this. It's over a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the game ends up uh, ending. They lost, thank God. Um, whatever. We go through the day. We're day drinking. We're at the concert. I'm having a good time. Um, dancing, you know what I mean? I'm jamming out Sammy Adams on stage. I kept he- uh, feeling something, you know, hit me in the head from behind. So I'm like, whatever, it's a concert. There's hands flying around. Things happen. Yeah. Turn around again, and I see that it's that kid who I had called out when he was in fact Oh, God. And obviously, you know what I mean? I don't care about what happened. This didn't really mean anything to me. So I just kind of laughed, turned around. He does it again. Whatever, I turn around, I give him a little push, and then he starts yelling about all these kinds of things. Oh, it's more than wiffle ball. It's intramurals. This is four years. I'd only been there like six months at the time. So obviously this kid's fired up. Like he's angry about the wiffle ball game at me specifically. You Um, almost have to respect uh, the grudge he held for (laughs) hours after the game. 
That's so, absurd. Like for an intramural game in college, yeah, for a t-shirt, like obviously you want to win. Anybody wants to win. But right. That's why to, you play. To then you know? take it to a Sammy Adams concert afterwards and be <laughs> yeah. willing to, you know, outrageous. harass the the referee that's also there just drinking, having a good time is outrageous. Right. Lunacy. The thing, you know, everybody's there just to have fun. Like it's a concert. You're there to to enjoy the environment and and enjoy the music and everything and. Apparently that had just been festering, I guess, in his mind all day. Just eating at him. Literally. Uh, but whatever, you know, concert ends. That kid is behind me the whole way, still just screaming and just screaming. Like, he has somebody with him, you know, holding him back. I don't know if you guys know Plymouth the whole way there. Uh, the concert is on the athletic fields, which are on the opposite end of campus. So to get from the athletic fields to campus, you have to go across a bridge over the, the Pemi River. <laughs> Um, so the whole way across the bridge, you know, it's lined with cop cars just standing there making sure there's nobody, you know, fighting, throwing up and just like obviously just too drunk to be to be out. Yeah. Uh, and this kid is still just screaming and screaming and screaming. It's like, bro, like get over it. Obviously, I'm not going to fight you with hundreds of cops around. Like this is yeah. your last day, last week of college, whatever it is. Like, enjoy it. Don't just this is angry. what you're doing. <laughs> so like, sad. Oh, my God. Yeah. Always. Um, nothing came of it. The kid never fought me. Obviously, he wasn't worth you know going to jail or dealing with any of the the fallout from that but um crazy time i guess those uh intramural t-shirts are a hot commodity and some people take them more seriously than others i guess to die for some would say <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just on and <laughs> just never ends yeah whether you're boozed up or not to actually even have an inkling of a thought of the outcome of an intramural game after you leave the field is absolutely just puzzles my mind. Like there had never been a situation in any intramural game. Maybe, hey, maybe I'm just not passionate enough. Maybe I don't want it bad enough. Okay, <laughs> but to actually, like you said, Kurt, to follow you, John, over like through the concert, over a bridge, cops everywhere, and he's so screaming. I would almost consider that kid. If we were doing hate of the week this week, Kurt, he'd be my hate of the week. <laughs> yeah. I. Ab- I absolutely hate people like that. As far as intramurals go, I would say you're always upset at the refs because there's, you know, it's not their, like, actual job of going out and calling a good game. It's just like, you know, college student, he's there for the night. He's getting (laughs) paid a a few bucks to try and make a decent game out of it. Literally. And after the fact, he's just going, going home or going to drink or do something that a college student does. So we had our fair share of intramural games where we would argue with the ref in-game or whatever, and then after we were fine, you you might talk about it after. But in no universe would we be going to any type of event afterwards that we'd be harassing the ref throughout the night. It was a whole day for him. It was a whole day-long event. An all-day affair. (laughs) Like, I wonder if, like, I want to kind of throw him a bone, but at the same time, like, you know, maybe he was boozed up, he was frustrated. But I hope that in my mind, I really hope that he didn't, like, you know, seek you out and try to find you in the crowd to mock you. I hope that it was more of a convenience <laughs> thing to him and you were just in front of him. That, that, no, cause, I'm, cause I'm, if it's I'm anything feeling... other than that, I'm truly just floored by it really i'm feeling as though this is this was a build-up of four years of unsuccessful t-shirt hunting by 
by this <laughs> team. You know, he had four years. He tried to build up that team for a, a intramural wiffle ball championship, and John was just the the figurehead that he needed to take down because he didn't <laughs> get that shirt. You you sim yeah. It wasn't you necessarily. I think it was more what you symbolized, John. It was years that, of frustration. It, 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 it was the power that you held over him. Balled up into one. That was. Yeah. Yeah, I was just an argument of those those four years of, of failure. Literally. I think, Absolutely. I think then, the only go ahead, Kurt. Oh, what well, you can go with yours. I, I was just no, gonna see if we had I was just story. gonna think top of mind, one thing that it's not even on the same playing field, but I think you guys, I know John definitely can relate, is do you remember when we did that DECA three on three tournament at the high school to like <laughs> raise money or whatever? So, like, everybody else just didn't care and left. And I, like, felt kind of bad because I actually have a conscience. And so I had to ref one of these games. And I I don't know. I was – at that point in the day, I'm like, you know what? Free for all. Like, I'm, I'm – in order to, for a foul to be called when I'm refing, I need somebody to get a limb torn off of their body, like, clean. <laughs> like, that's how, how – I'm talking, like, playoffs, game seven, like – you can you can get away with murder, and I'm not gonna call it. So, this girl goes up. She does one of the like the double pumps and tries to go up and draw a foul on a layup, and the girl gets absolutely like, like I'm talking an elbow or forearm down to like her neck, and I just didn't do anything. I'm just like, I'm just acting like nothing is happening, and I just hear the family, as soon as it happened, just go, Oh my god, are you gonna call? And I'm just doing as, and I literally do like a shoulder shrug, like an uncomfortable shoulder shrug, and just keep like, you know, doing the the Nick crawl when he's roughing in uh, the curl show, the back pedal, like just really into it. <laughs> the shuffle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the curl shuffle. Trying to just act like I don't pay attention. So in that like, you know, minute span for me felt like three years. Like there's no way I could ever ref anything and actually be like mocked or anything. I, I would just because I'm too mentally weak for that, and I'll, I'm I could happily admit that. But well, I, I think you admitted saying. it there too. With you, you purposely made the wrong call. Where I think at least John and his, he like walked it back. He was like, "Shit, I had the wrong no. call." Corrected no, it, no, but see, you you were just like, "No, nah, I'm screw it. We're just rolling with no yeah. fouls whatsoever." Well, so that I'd get frustrated at that point. Look, if I saw that it was a foul, if I was like. If I reacted and was like, that's a foul, I would have called something. But I'm just like, you know, a little bit like, maybe it was that I was gun shy. I don't really know. But it, it's a lot It's a lot easier said than done. So I got to give John credit for all of his different sports. But um, a follow-up question I, I did have um, was, what is the weirdest sport or most unique sport, maybe most out of your you know comfort zone sport that you had to ref that you were just sort of thrown into? Yeah um soccer i was never really watched i never really understood like the rules and the fouls and everything of soccer um for those of you who don't know a little look inside of what intramural training looks like um first thing we do is watch a powerpoint and then usually there's an awkward moment at the end of like all right does anybody have questions absolutely and, not not yeah you're sitting <laughs> there thinking all right I don't even understand like what I'm supposed to call here, but you don't have any questions because somebody <laughs> else is going to know better and you're going to have to ref with them at some point. So you'll just yeah. kind of pick it up as you go. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, a few years down the line, there was a time I was refing a football or futsal. I think it was, we had like a smaller futsal and outdoor soccer, um, but it was futsal 
there was the men's hockey team for some reason is like the most aggressive like futsal or soccer team out there at Plymouth and they were playing just this random like group there was like three girls on the team and they were still just like playing extremely aggressive so me not really knowing the rules I didn't know what to call when it was like pushing and when there was trips and we had like yellow cards and red cards but I feel like that just made things a lot more confusing for me. <laughs> the different colors or cards and like yeah so it was oh, a, lot, a lot for me to take in and to actually have to ref and like control a rough game at that point was asking way too much of me <laughs> <laughs> above your pay grade some would say yeah, seriously. Yeah, and up there, we're getting $7 an hour. So, like, way, way, way above my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the game, um, obviously, I did a really bad job. I didn't call all that much. But there was this girl who goes up to one of the, the men's hockey players, and she's like, next time your hands are all over me like that, like, I'm pressing charges or whatever. <laughs> so, at me, you know, refing, I was like, all right, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> like, oh, my God. This guy on the hockey team says, whoa, 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 like deeply, deeply offended. He's like, that's slander. He's like, I'm pressing charges on you. What? I'm sitting there like red, yellow card in my hand, red card in the other. I'm like, John's writing down up. notes for like, the trial. I just, I just put one in each hand and just put them both up and start blowing my whistle. Right. <laughs> so at that point, I mean, the game was over. I was like, my thought process was I don't really have to deal with this. I'm kind of off my shift at this point. Yeah, this yeah. isn't this is not it. This is a personal problem at this point. Yeah, and I didn't know how to defuse it. My supervisor was over there, so I was like, you know, I'll just kind of leave this one to them. Like they can, <laughs> yeah. they can kind of figure that one out. So with being like as out of my element as I was, I just kind of left and hoped somebody else would clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Oh my god, I I bet that girl is going to grow up to be a Karen. Short hair, Bob haircut. Can I speak to your manager? Yeah, the I mean that is. Office. I wasn't there. I'm only. I'm only taking what you can give us, John. But that sounds like, for intramural sports, that sounds like a severe overreaction. Yeah. Me. What about the reaction then from the guy on that side too? Because what would you call that? Like, I don't think we even have a term for that yet. That's when I, because I was like with her, I was like, all right, this is an overreaction. I'm like, I'm already fed up with this. Like, I just want to leave. And then yeah. he came back with that. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just done. Like, that's it. I all mean, right. is there a better comeback, though, if you're that kid? No. Uh, yeah. Like, don't, what do you, you don't feed into that at all. I mean, you don't come back with that. Then you're just as bad. You gave them the reaction. that You're going to press yeah. charges on me. I'm going to press charges on you. Yeah, That's cool. it's just this whole muddy water. It's all just terrible. And then nobody wins. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wins Those at all. The only way from that semi whip. Oh, my God. Imagine <laughs> that. That's amazing. Unreal. All right. That's that's all I got, Drew, on my side of the house. You got any wrapping up thoughts for John here? Or shall we let him go and get his Tuesday night? My only other thing would be, it's not necessarily for John. It's more of a public service announcement to the listeners is, um, you know, summer's going to come and go. And as we get into the fall and the October Halloween season, keep an eye out over near, you know, uh, the bowling alley area where John resides, uh, sometimes in Gloucester, maybe up in the, in those barren trees by the graveyard across from George's. Cause if you're lucky enough, you just might see him gargoyling and, uh, you know, give him a quick wave, um, and maybe just say hello. And He won't wave back. He'll keep that posture. Yeah, he'll keep the posture, yeah, but that's... he'll at least know. You'll know that he's there, and he'll know that you're there. So just keep an eye out for that, folks. Uh, I know we have a couple months, but figured I'd just bring it to your attention now. And uh, <clears throat> again, as Curtis said, 
we appreciate it, John. Uh, can't wait to catch up once this is all over, and uh, hope you have a tremendous rest of your night. Absolutely. You guys as well. So uh, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Absolutely. Cheers to you guys. Be nice to your intramural refs. Alrighty, folks. Next up, what I'm looking in the bag, I'm, I'm digging through my wrappers, and I'm seeing the NHL playoff format. I'm seeing Gary Bettman's press conference from 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. I, for one, huge Bruins fan, huge, huge Boston sports fan in general, starving for live sports to be back. So I couldn't be happier, couldn't be more excited for the possibility, even just that. My one gripe, I know not everybody's sort of in the loop or you know, on the same page here, but my one gripe here is that th- there's a real chance, possibility, that the Bruins, who had the best record, I believe, in the NHL totally, uh, won the President's Trophy, best record in the Eastern Conference, really, I-, I would say, most consistently solid and best team in the league, non-biased, hashtag not biased. Um, there's a chance they get the fourth seed in the playoff. And I know we talked offline, Kurt. There's a reason you play balls to the walls every game from game one to 82, or at least plan to, you know, regardless of the pandemic. Um, is there any, can I ask you this? Is there any, yes. you know, way they just set this up so that the Bruins have any sort of advantage at all in that four team playoff? Or is it they're just going to play both seeds or like it's all a, the seeds? No advantage. I don't even like off the top of my head. I don't know if you would just give them a buy in a round robin tournament. That just seems like a waste of time. And like you're kind of getting a little bit too granular with it. That's what I'm They're wondering. Doing, is it round robin? Like they'll it's play a round the robin, three yeah. other teams. It, yeah. So it's top four round robin. Equal, and then it's everybody gold has an differential probably. At, I don't at know. At some point if there's a tie for yeah, two and some, three. Something like that. And then <clears throat> I, I think part of it, like you said before, I think it, I don't know if it was online or offline, but part of it has to do with like, obviously getting everybody ramped up and playing some kind of preliminary games before you get into the actual, you know, playoffs. But I think the other part is, oh, it's unfair. There were still two and a half some odd weeks left. You know, standings weren't concrete. But that my only gripe is just at least try to give them an advantage. I think it sucks that, you know, they dominated all year for 70-ish games and then they could end up being the fourth seed. I just think that's BS to me. But um, obviously... You know, beggars can't be choosers. I'll take what I can get. And uh, whatever happens, happens. I'm just excited for the possibility of them being back. Yeah, I agree with you on the fact that that's why you play the entire season up until that point to put yourself in the best position to do those two and a half weeks anyways. Like, was there a a great chance of a team coming back to take down their number one seed? How, How close was the margin? So I want to say, don't quote me on this. I want to say it was around 10 points with like two, two and a half weeks left between us and Tampa, who so was the two seed. What, maybe five, six games? Five, six games in two and a half weeks. It would have to be, I would say it was unlikely that at that point that Tampa Bay would over would, would take the, the first seed. Yeah, so that would be the problem I would have with it is like you had such a, a large lead. It probably it's just poster board material in the Bruins locker room, you know, yeah. prove to everyone. That's why you guys got there. Just go out and just run this round, Robin, get the one seed and dominate the playoffs. But yep. at some point, no matter what seed you are, you're going to have to beat the best teams in the seven game series. So 
I think that's one of the things I like about the NHL is it really doesn't matter what seed you get coming into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're really not going to avoid the best teams and you do have a seven game series versus baseball when it's, you know, the, the playing game or it's the five game series and then they yeah. go into the seven game series. So, yeah. And, and what's ironic about that, which I will say, I know this is going to twist the knife in a lot of people's sides, but um, it just goes back to the whole revenge tour piece. And last year, the funniest part about that card is they really didn't have to play the best teams. Tampa Bay got knocked out in the first round. Washington got knocked out. I believe it was in the first or second second round, probably. So, you know, like you said, eventually, whether it's year one or year two, you're going to have to play those the big dogs, the the Pittsburghs, the Caps, the you know the Tampa, whoever. So, again, regardless, like I said, Vegas can't be choosers. I'm just excited to see playoff hockey back. So, we'll see. All right, folks, let's roll right into Boy of the Week here with our most prominent guest for Boy of the Week. Elizabeth Luster. She's had a selection already. We're going to get her newest boy of the week. Liz, what do we got this week? All right. So this week, it has to be Jimmy Garoppolo. I've been obsessed with him since he got drafted to the Patriots for the backup quarterback. Me and Ruby Melvin were watching on the Mars couch, and I like almost passed out, I think, when I saw him. Followed him on everything. He never recognized me. And I'm still obsessed to this day. Interesting. So even after the lost Super Bowl, he's still your go-to guy. Oh, he'll always be my go-to guy. Wow. Pop, Drew, pop you have anything quiz. to say about that? I have a pop quiz question. This is bonus points. Okay. What team is he currently on? The 49ers. Is that not true? That's good. Right? Yeah. You're good, Liz. Yeah! You've been following Instagram quite closely to know that that's that's solid work I'm from you surprised I got that. Like, honestly, I guess. now i know drew was saying why not jared stidham now as you know the new heir to the patriots dynasty yeah, so actually, legacy i did follow him when i was watching the draft and like he's not anything special like he's okay but he's already married i found that out okay and so that definitely loses a little bit of the allure yeah, yeah. it does Okay. Fair. Okay. All right, Liz. Once again, thanks for coming on. Jimmy Garoppolo, Boy of the Week, San Francisco 49ers. Good selection there from Liz. I can't agree with it. I've never been a Jimmy G fan. We got rid of him for a reason. Uh, That's all I got to say about it. Now, (laughs) Drew, let's get your, your dad joke of the week. I do yep. want to say, I don't know if people think we're, we're stealing anything. These are pretty much just Googled and, and something Drew likes to read up on, read out loud yeah. to the listeners. Yeah. So this week's dad joke is brought to you by Gloucester Gear. Uh, wear what the locals wear. Dad joke, of the, dad joke of the week. What is the least spoken language in the world? What? Sign language. That would okay. be because obviously sign language is not spoken at all. It's you know physically it's signed. Signed. So that's yes. the joke. I like it. I like that one. Some would say that's barely even a joke. That's just a fact. That's human science, physiological. You know, fact. It's just a fact. Exactly. Yes. There's no way around it. 
Now, going off the subject matter, favorite comedian, top of your head, go. Ooh. Um, I don't know. I really, I really like Sebastian Maniscalco. Okay. I like, if I'm looking for something light, I'll go with him. If I'm looking for something dark, I don't know why I like Pete Davidson. I think he's hilarious because he just doesn't okay. care. And also Anthony Jeselnik. There's um, my there's my favorite comedian, the dark humor that is Anthony Jeselnik. If yeah. I'm going for anything else, if you haven't seen the Seinfeld 23 Hours to Kill uh, on Netflix, Good I stuff. highly recommend watching that because I was in tears crying laughing the last 30 minutes of that show. It starts off a little slow. Uh, the jokes don't don't hit like the last 30 minutes do, but the last 30 minutes, yeah. gold. my goodness. All right. Gold. Okay. Gold, Jerry, gold is Ju- saying. Duly noted. Duly noted. Now, Drew, let's wrap up this week with the quote of the week. This one coming from the famous Ernest Hemingway. Ooh, okay. True nobility is being better than your former self. That one hits heavy at the end of TWBLC. Pat from last year, play us out. What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Sazits. Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group.